Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Sports Bar Show, Chewing the Fat and Talking Bulls. And these weeks seem to just fly by, Mr. Peters, at the Sports Bar. How are you doing? I'm absolutely fantastic. How are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah, it's uh, so far so good. I see this week's all been about uh, a roadmap and being in, into uh, logistics myself. <laughs> I've took an instant... Uh, uh, Kind of interest in this roadmap. Not roadmaps to Barnard uh, Castle, then. Uh, well, not not actually, but uh, there's a roadmap coming out of uh, Ten Downing Street, and all I will say on that subject is this, and that hopefully this will work. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, we're all going on one of these. I hope. <laughs> To start in a minute. This, how long is this intro? Five minutes. Listen. I, there you go. You got the answer. I got the answer. Holidays. That's what everybody's talking about. Booked it, packed it. Because of blinking <laughs> Boris's uh, roadmap. But let me tell you something about this roadmap, and I don't want to be a party poo-pooer when I say this, right? You know, I, I've got to, I've got to tell you this. But I remember just before the last lockdown, that at the beginning of the week, and I took an avid interest in in all this and watched, you know, right from the very beginning and listened to all the interviews. And I remember at one point there was um, Matt Hancock were on with his gleaming, smiling face, and he was proud of himself that he got these in, injections and everything else, and he was going and rolling out there and. Everything yeah, William, William Shakespeare got a got the first yeah. in, injection, didn't they? Yeah, everything was quite positive and everything all full of smiles on the Monday. And then all of a sudden on the Thursday, our Boris, there were a press conference. We all had to listen to him. And you know what? Oh, we ended, yeah, up, we, we ended <laughs> up in a lockdown because they were a blinking, uh, what do they call them? Another, uh, another uh, viral infection coming around. So you know what? I'll, I'll I feel, just play I feel this. another tune coming on here. I'll just play this one. Viewers, you've got to listen to the words, especially for Boris. Go on. We're going to do better than this. <laughs> build me up. <laughs> just to let me down. Let me down. <laughs> Remind me never to come to one of your discos. Hey, I'll tell you what, classic. Don't knock this music. Build me up, Buttercup. The foundations. <laughs> well, it's quite relevant, isn't it? Because Matt Hancock says one thing, Boris does another halfway through weeks. So all I'm saying is, whilst it's all positive and positive and positive, and I'm really pleased it's positive, positive and positive, yeah. right? Let's not get carried away because you know what it's like when you read a roadmap? You can get lost. Yeah. Brent, hold on. We're... Uh... We just have to leave the show for uh, a broadcast coming north of the border. It has just been announced that Brent Peters will take over at Celtic Park. He has accepted a zero-hours contract and will start straight after the Sports Bar show this afternoon. 
Peters has been involved in the game since the Ice Age and is raring to go. He said in a statement, I am delighted to be given such a position. I'm looking forward to meeting Rod Stewart and his friend Maggie May. It's great that I don't need a passport or a Covid vaccine and I'm a massive fan of Agis and the Crankies. Quite frankly, I could crush a grape. More to follow on this story next century. Listen, exciting news there. <laughs> listen, I thought I thought I were a bloody man, but you are even you bite the bloody bullet. Hey, Tavish news, you can't beat it. Listen, like it said on there, I haven't got a passport, so I'm goosed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll not get allowed over that border. But I'm not surprised anyway. You, I'm not surprised what's happened up there. Uh, he's had a, he's had a good innings as as uh, as Neil. Uh, well, he has, and uh, you know, I think there's a there's one or two mutes on there out on uh, social media this morning. Uh, you know, don't be surprised if Frank Lampard doesn't get the position. Well, you never know. You never know whether no. he does or he, or he doesn't, because we his uh, we his England partner doing so well at Rangers. Um, if yeah. they appointed Frankie Boy up there, you know, there'd be some great competition and. Uh, who knows? Watch this space. It, it, it probably wouldn't be a bad move for Frank at the minute, but uh, obviously we don't know what the, the circumstances regarding a new job and everything else is with his with how he left at Chelsea. He might still be on pay at Chelsea. We know, we don't know them situate that them things, but uh, you know. But yeah, I mean, don't be surprised if uh, if Frankie Boy doesn't uh, become the next manager up there at uh, at Celtic Park. Yeah, well, we've got quite a few things to squeeze in this uh, this afternoon. We're talking managers, substitutions. We're talking Doncaster Rovers as well, uh, a club that we follow quite close. And we've got uh, a young aspiring sports journalist in uh, Ari Quick joining as well later on in the show. So busy, 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 as Aussie our dealers would say. Well, just before we get on with the show, what about anyway? What about the tick? What about the tick man? I'll tell you what, we're closing in on him rapidly. Hello. You know me, the tick, tick. You know the him? tick, the tick man, the yes. tick man, right? You know who I'm talking about, the tick man. You know, I haven't got a bloody clue. Right, just to throw one in here, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I explain. You know, on YouTube, you put a like, and most people like our show. Yes, one, oh, one, yeah. per, one person, you know, puts a tick. Down the down, right? Yeah. Only one, only one, right? Now, as you know, when we are on a show, we we brought this show in. Let's just say this: we introduced this show not for my benefit, your benefit, Baker Burroughs' benefit, but for the community's benefit. Light-hearted fun. At times, we want to be serious because obviously we need to be serious at times, but yeah. try and keep it light-hearted. And we introduced this show for the benefit of all those people that was on lockdown rather than sit at home, doom and gloom, and listening to all the... the football fix. I, I, yeah, exactly. And what we did, we introduced this show to give the community of the Rosendale Valley Bake Up and widely uh, a field a little bit of a light-hearted entertainment rather than okay. switching your goggle box on 
Uh, uh, Three all... and Coronation Street. Uh, well, well, that's the biggest problem. Why you've got mental health issues watching people who watch that? That's another story for another show, <laughs> right? But that's the biggest problem. That's where the mental health under get them off the air. Then you might have people with kind anyway, of positive back to mind. the tick man. Back to the, back tick, to the man. tick man. Well, you know, you know what I'm like. You know, I'm like a dog be a bone. I'm a devious sort of a person. I don't mind admitting it. And we've done our, we've kind of, the simple, there's things you can purchase through, out there. I've gone through the layers. I've gone through the layers. And yeah, course, there's purchases out there that you can, you, can, you can get in there and you can get, and you can narrow it down basically to even almost, not so far off, knowing who that readers. person is. So, if you're that person, and I'm going to call you the tick man that's doing it, we're closing in on you. And I'll tell you now, watch this space. You're like I'll a tick now, on my backside. Because once we locate you, we're going to nail you. Big time. Not literally. <laughs> well, it might be, but we can't say that on show. But never mind. We just sure. like no joking apart. No, joking we, 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 we like constructive criticism. If you've so, got any points, if you've got any constructive criticism or any ideas for the show, get in touch and we'll include them in the show because this show, as Brent says, it's not here, not for us, it's for you guys. And we want to be uh well, know, I think there's a bit, stuff. when we've traced him down and it is an E, we know it's an E and it's not a she, so we've traced it back to as far as that. We know there's a little bit of envy and jealousy, but I don't like envy and jealousy. You know, if you want to do something out there, do it yourself. Get off the, get off your blinking soapbox and give you it a your go. Own show. Yeah, correct, and give it a go. Nobody's going to knock you. We're only here to try and entertain. That's all I have to say on the issue. Anyway, right. let's anyway, move on. Straight in topics, uh, a topic we were talking about last week, and we spoke about it. You know, for the last couple of weeks, substitutions. Bringing on a substitution and then whoa, taking whoa, the substitution whoa. off. Whoa, 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 whoa. You've gone one too far ahead of you. Go on, then. What? You, you, there's something happened up on the up on uh, Cumbrian coast before that. Yes, 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 yes. Another sacking. Another <laughs> sacking. <laughs> yes, another sacking. How can that be right? So, the longest talk sack in the world. Well, let's talk about this situation just for a short while. Barrow second, their second manager in the space of not that long, right? So let's backtrack. On the 9th of July, David Dunn was portrayed out there and uh, presented to the press as being appointed as the new manager of Barrow. Yeah. Right? Which at Brilliant. the time we thought was a, a great move. Correct. The 13th of December, now bearing in mind the season didn't start in July, so there's preparations in July. I think the season probably started in September. I might be wrong and I could be corrected on that, but I think it was about September, right? That's when, obviously, you, your team's out there on the park and you're trying to get results. So 13th of December shocked that David Dunn was sacked. So he got sacked on the 13th of December. And he managed for 22, I think it was, 22 matches, I think he was in charge with yeah. David Dunn. But he A was lot sacked of those the... very, very narrow defeats. Right. 
They appointed on the 23rd of December, Michael Jolly, who has been in the job 57 days and he's had seven games. Now, when we're talking about being light-hearted, I ain't being light-hearted about this situation because I think th this is damaging. Someone's laughing. To... Yeah, exactly. It's damaging. It's not, it's not amateur, but it's being portrayed as amateur, how they're portraying themselves. Now, it is damaging, right? Because that is a, a mark on a, a person's CV doesn't look good when he's only been in the game as David Dunroney in the game as as look happens, David. You know, there's a lot more people think the world of David Dunn and what he can bring to the yeah, table than what, the one. Than, than, than what isn't, and he's up there at Fleetwood. So we're pleased about that. However, Michael Jolly, this is a he's trying to, you know, obviously he's trying to make a, a, a obviously got in a, a, a barrow, and after seven games, he finds himself with a sack. Now this is my point, this, right? And it's not just about Barrow, this. This is about the football clubs who do stupid situations like that. Surely the board of directors are answerable to making these decisions because, to me, it is a very ma it's a massively important decision when you've got to come onto recruitment of, of, the, of your... Uh, manager of your or head coach or whatever you want to call the title of your football club. It's a massive decision. Obviously, I, I'm not privy, but I think they gave David Dunn a couple of year contract and they sacked him in that space of time when they sacked him. They've now, as far as from what I'm reading, they gave Michael Jolly a two year contract. Now, and he's lasted seven games in 57 days, right? Now, personally, how on earth, when you're doing your, when you're, when if we were to sit around the boardroom table and discuss who we want to be at the helm in such an important position, yeah. you've got to make critical decisions and you've got to understand that football is no guarantees that you're going to hit the ground running, right? Last season, and I'll use this as an example, last season, Liverpool, after many years of in the wilderness in terms of winning, being champions oh, yeah. of the Premier League, right, did it. And congratulations to them and did it in a canter, right? This season, Jurgen Klopp, for whatever reason, and he hasn't become a bad manager overnight, for whatever reasons, and there's loads of reasons probably why, we don't need to go into it, but they've they're struggling. They're going through a bad spell at the minute. Yeah, that it happens. doesn't. It happens. That doesn't make Jurgen Klopp a bad coach, a bad manager. It doesn't make him that. Situations have happened within that football club that has dictated why results are not happening as fluently and positively as they were last season when they become the champions. So if we turn that into the Barrow situation, the similar situation, how can if you've put your trust? And you feel that this guy as as is the man to it's take, you, to take forward. you forward, yeah. You you've got to back him. As a club, you've got to back him. You can't just turn round after seven games, fifty-seven days, and then the chairman comes out from what I'm gathering, and the chairman comes out and says the 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 the, the, the way that they were playing the football wasn't what we wanted at Bar uh, 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 Barrow. 
on surely to goodness before you make that appointment yeah, you've when got you do, to find due diligence and you're researching to the man you're bringing in you'd know what kind of football he's cr going to create correct exactly so what's the point my answer to that is they've embarrassed and i know we got a bit of stick last time when we were back in uh, David Dunn, because the fans out there were jumping on us a little bit and saying, have you seen his record? He worked the man for the job. Which right? is fair enough. Which, Which is, fair, is enough. fair enough. But the fact that they've sacked two managers in such a short space of time tells me the board of directors of that football club need to take a long, hard look at themselves. And if the chairman is coming out and making that sort of a statement, then there's only one answer to that question is he should take the job. Simple. Yeah. Simple. And let's no see else, what no he can do. Because nobody else is good enough. Because they've already sacked two. It's just, it's just laughable. And yeah. it's disgraceful, in my opinion. Because we're playing with people's careers. And as you said, it, it, doesn't, make the, it doesn't make the club look uh, good, Not does good. it, to the outsider looking in? Well, it looks, it look, it looks like they, they're a football league club. Makes them look like they're a football league club. But obviously, sadly, yeah, and I, might, I might take a bit of stick for this, but I don't care. I've got broad shoulders. My mum always said I were quite a big lad, but I was small, <laughs> but quite a big lad. So I'm broad shoulders. But let me tell you, there, it sounds like the board are amateur in the, the way they operate. Sorry, but that's the way it yeah. is. Yeah. Well, I'm going to move on now. I got my wrist slapped before, but we're moving on. To a couple of uh, interesting things that happened over the last seven days. We talked about it uh, about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, with the Robbie Brady situation with uh, Sean Dyche bringing him on and then taking him off. And you know, we've had a bit of criticism in the past about substitutions. Should you take them off when you've subbed them? And it seems like with Roy Hodgson, it's been something which has worked. And something you picked up in, in the week was a, uh, a post-match uh, Press conference with Roy, friend. Well, well, let's go back to the. There's been three, actually. There's been four with Roy Hodgson, but but there's been three in space of a short space of time where that situation's happened. So from a situation that you don't often see it, there's been three in a week. In, in well, not in a week, but probably in say ten days. You know, there's been three. The first one was David Moyes subbing a sub in the FA Cup with Man United. Uh, he took a little bit of criticism from, from people out there for doing that. Then then uh, not long after, we saw Sean Dice bring on Robbie Brady, who was a 40th-minute substitute. Uh, I think that were against Fulham, if, I'm, if my memory serves me rightly. Yeah. He was a 40th-minute substitute. 24 minutes later... Brady found himself with a curly finger. <laughs> he did, didn't he? Exactly. Because, so, you know, we've gone in this week, we touched on it last week. So there was obviously a reason behind that. And, you know, Sean Dice knows the reasons. And, you know, it's not for me or you to decide what the reasons are. And I'm not going to start to decide. But I trust Sean Dice. He's a top shrewd manager. And if he, and he, this is a guy that's played for him. Maybe, and I might be wrong in saying, well, probably has. He, he was the one that signed uh, uh, Brady, nobody else. It's not like it's somebody else's signing. He signed Brady, but he knows what he's capable of doing. And if obviously, if he's gone into a game and 
and the, and the, and the situations have unfolded what's unfolded, yeah. and he's not happy about that, then he's within well, his the right and he's to, to change the situation. And then if you and then not long after that, obviously saying this is a good one. This this is a good one because as we've seen Thomas Tuchel at, uh, at, 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 at Chelsea, he subbed Callum Hudson Adias against Southampton, yeah. who had introduced the boy at half time. So he, tr he he kind of trusted him to go on because he, he introduced him at half time, but thirteen minutes later. He drags him off. Yeah. Well, no. this is what this is what he had to say. We'll talk about it. But this is what Thomas had to say at the post-match uh, conference. Put his uh, stamp in this game, so we changed a little bit the formation. We brought in Hudson, but with Hudson, I was not happy with uh, with the energy and and uh, with the attitude and counter pressing. So uh, we decided to take him off again. Because we demand a lot and we demand uh, one hundred percent, and I had the feeling that he is not right in this in this shape where he can help us. So uh, it's, it's the decision for today. It's a hard decision, I know, for the players to come on and off. But tomorrow, latest tomorrow, is forgotten, and he has uh, all possibilities to start again against Atletico. Nothing wrong with that, from where I'm sitting. Absolutely brilliant. But you know what really gets me annoyed. And I'm sure they do it on purpose to justify their positions in the, with the TV companies. You get people like Rio Ferdinand, and don't, don't get me wrong, I mean, obviously, as you know, being Manchester yeah. United and thingy, I, I'm a big fan of Rio Ferdinand. But I'm not a big fan when Rio Ferdinand comes out with a load of crap when he turns around and says that can't, when he's slaughtering a player in the press and, and coming out saying stuff like that, it can't board well with a player. No. Grow a pair of balls, Rio, I say. Grow a <laughs> pair of balls. Because that's a load of rubbish. He's had explained. He didn't see him have the energy. He knows what he can do. And he's, he's, his livelihood's on the line. So he felt that he wasn't putting the performance in. So he kind of, before he put him on, you, managers and coaches can't look through a crystal ball. We don't know when we pick a team or when we pick players or we decide a player can go on. We automatically hope think, know they're capable of putting in a performance. So when they go on there, and unfortunately, for whatever reason, their body language isn't right, they're not doing what the, the role demands, and, and it's not about the personal player, it's about what the role demands, and he's not doing what the role demands, then obviously the team shape as a group is not going to work. And because it's not going to work, Correctly, Tuttle has made that ruthless decision yeah. to take him off, replace strong, him. Because a, strong he, a strong decision. A strong decision. And it, 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 what it does, it shows, it, it, it's not always showing I'm the boss. It's not about showing I'm the boss. It's about making sure, and I refer football teams and team shape and whatever you're doing as a, as a, a collective engine. And if you've got part of your engine not working correctly, no, you're operating on, you know, uh, less cylinders, if you will. Yeah. You get yeah. that? So you've got to make your engine be purring along the best it can. And if he feels or you feel or anybody feels that when you've made that change and he, you think he can do that job, but it's proven he can't do that job, 
or he can do that job, but his attitude's wrong that he didn't want to do that job, then there's only one way that you're going to solve it. He has to come off. Yeah. And that's what he did. I thought that were brilliant. I really do. Well, you sent me another clip as well, something very similar to that. I mentioned it before uh, in uh, midweek. Well, we saw uh, Crystal Palace away at Brighton. Similar situation happened to with uh, Roy Hodgson. People, you know, criticising his uh, team selection. And you sent me this across, Brent, and I thought this was another fantastic piece of management. Well, it should make a big difference. There's no doubt about that. I mean, this is this is what all coaches and managers expect of their players. You know, we, we have a squad. We have a group of players. You can only pick 11. So every time you pick 11, there's going to be people left out of the team who most of them will think the coach and manager doesn't know what he's doing. I should be the one who's playing. That's been, that's been football for as long as I can remember. But the only answer to that is to make certain that when you get your chance or when you get a chance to show what you're about in training, you take that chance. And, you know, all too often I find in, in, in football these days, players would prefer to feel sorry for themselves rather than do what Christian did tonight. Come on for 15 minutes and show me, I think you made a mistake in not picking me and watch me play and see the goal I score and, you know, think again. And that's how it should be. And that's certainly exactly what Ben Teke did. Came you on know and what? did the business. Do you know what? Seriously, Steve, seriously. That is probably up there ranking with the best, best overall post-match interview yeah. I have heard about a top manager. Of course, he's such an like intelligent Roy manager, Correct. But we can refer to that. Every manager out there, even at the lowest level, you know, step seven of the pyramid, step six, step five, step four, step three, two, one, you know, through the divisions everywhere, can relate to everything that he said on that. Because players, it's as though it's the players, if you've got the wrong players in your group, it's as though it's the players in one corner and the management in another corner, right? And when you make a decision as a manager to leave somebody out because you feel for whatever reasons, Players mix with other players, and before you know where you are, players are dropping poison against the manager. Now, this is where young up-and-coming managers out there that want to get a job in and be a manager have got to be guarded and be careful because if you've got big characters in your changing room and you feel 100% that, you know, rightly, wrongly or indifferently, this is the team you want to pick today for whatever reason – and you pick that team, you're obviously, as Roy alluded on there, you're going to upset certain players because yeah. you're going to have to make big decisions. And it could be that you leave the big, bigger players out, the most experienced players yeah. out. It means that you, you could have to leave them out. And that is where your poison yeah. could erupt within your that's club. Where a young, that's where a young manager could suffer intimidation from the... 100% players in the that's why he needs to maybe bring in a more experienced person alongside him. Yeah, because what happens is, and I've seen it, I've seen it happen. What happens is, and this is why managers in a lot of ways want the trust of people around them, right? Because you'll always get, I, I don't think this it, it works sometimes, but what I don't think works is when you appoint a manager 
and you've already got staff in there that somebody else's staff that's come with another manager, they're kind of kind of could be bitter because that manager's gone and they feel that he should not have gone. But then what can happen? You'll always get within that group that they wanted or somebody might stake a claim for that job. Yeah. And hasn't got it because they've brought an outsider in to take over that job. And that outsider's one on his own. So he's come in and he's having now to work with the other coaches that are already there that were brought in by another manager, right? Now, I'm not, what can happen is that one of them coaches wanted the job. He's kind of bitter that he didn't get the job, right? And all he wants to do deep down is for that manager to fail. Yeah. And if that manager fails, he, 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 he's like kind of dropping bombs with the players. I wouldn't have dropped you. You yeah. would be playing in my team to get players on side. Yeah. It's well, wrong. They're the snakes. Yeah. They, then people should be outlawed out the game. The snakes. And I've even seen it where a manager's left the ground, gone, right? And the coaching or part of the coaching staff have still been back after. They've been in the boardroom or they've been in the bar and they've been giving it that to a blinking uh, a, a, a director. And before you know who we are, the director then goes into a boardroom and relays what that coach is saying. Yeah. And that's what puts pressure on managers ending up being taken away from the job, if you get what I'm saying. And it all comes from a poisonous situation within the club. Now, that poison could, first of all, cement itself from the uh, player, players in question. Roy Hodgson, he so touched on it. When you leave players out, the players think, especially if it involves them, that you haven't got a clue what you're doing. Now, who the Blinkinette can turn around and say that Roy Hodgson doesn't have a clue what he's doing? He's got his CV <laughs> second to none. He's managed yeah. our national team. He's freaking yeah. managed abroad. Managed the guy abroad. is full of, full, of, full of knowledge. You know, and he's exactly bang on what he says because that happens at every level of football. And that's why you need strong managers in a changing room and, and somebody that's switched on that can sniff this poison out your changing room and get them out because yeah. what you've got them there, you're in a no-win situation. Yeah, your job's at risk. Correct. Uh, but one manager who is certainly doing well David Moyes, we touched upon him before. What a great job at West Ham. Well, yeah, he's, he, 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 you know, he got ridiculed when he went in there. I mean, uh, I mean, let's be honest. David Moyes did a fantastic job at Everton. There's no two yeah. ways about that. You, you know, he's gone and people, I think people forget that he were at Preston before And recommended Everton. with Fergie as well for the United you know, job. Yeah, well, well. The unfortunate thing were at United. I, I, he came I after he, Fergie. That was a problem. He came after Fergie, and he wasn't given. Uh, he he wasn't given the time that that you, that you kind of need. And I think that were pressure again coming from these bloody a lot of them. Even what's trying to do it now, we all these poison. They're not proper Man United supporters. The poison keyboard warriors. The eye behind uh, probably like our tick man. You know, the eye behind the blinking. Uh, the keyboard and the, and, yeah. the, and the chatting freaking absolute garbage, right? 
if he'd have been given time at Manchester United, who knows? We can't say. They'll be for and against, against him. But he gets the West Ham position and he was ridiculed going into West Ham. But do you know what? They look good to watch. Yeah. I mean, what annoys me? I mean, we all, look, we don't know the background of the, about, the, uh, about, about the Jesse Lingard fully. I don't know. But I'm hearing that there were issues with Jesse because a close friend of his was something happened and, you know, he was getting a bit of stick, you know, like a, a kind of mental health with, with Jesse, yeah. right? Kind of mental health. But, but and he obviously, by the time he's, he's he, you know, he's been looked after, because I'm telling you, Man United will have looked, they look after all the players. So, you know, they will have looked after him. And Jesse has, has, has gone to West Ham with David Moyes because David Moyes knows him, but he's gone to get, to obviously get regular game time because he's missed a lot of games. My issue is when I watch Manchester United and they frustrate the life out of me and, and many more, is when you see the likes of Martial not, not, not even putting a shift in in, what, in what's required. I mean, Alan Shearer absolutely um, pulled him to bits uh, on match of the day the other, the other day. He pulled him to bits, but this has been an ongoing situation. But you can you can you can be bad in football, but there's no excuse for not working. And he doesn't work. And I think that gets up people's nose. Now, this is my point here, going back to the David Moyes. What you've got here, I would have sooner let Lincoln Martial go and get games in with David Moyes and have an half-fit Jesse Lingard playing at Man United because Jesse would give you more even though he's half fit and his head's not fully on right, than what Martial's giving in any game. Because I ain't seen it. And this is what's going on. But, but David Moyes has been shrewd in, in by his take. I'm not saying Jesse Lingard's the be-all and end-all. He's not. He's a jigsaw. He's one of the pieces of a good jigsaw at West Ham. One of the pieces. And he fits the bill. He fits the bill at West Ham because he's, he's, got, he's got pace. He's got work ethic. And he's the kind of player that David Moyes likes. Yeah, certainly is. We're going to come on to Doncaster Rovers in about 20 seconds. But I heard in the week, David Moyes is pretty good at karaoke, you know. There you go. Karaoke in Cliverall. Not bad, is it? In the Ribble Valley. In the Ribble Valley. Anyway, Brent, moving swiftly on. Doncaster Rovers. You couldn't write the script at the weekend. Or could you? Or could you? It was. Oh, was it? Yeah, was it in the stars? I've said it. You know what? I, I mean, I've said it all all along. I mean, for the viewers who, who, who I've always said that certain elements of football. When you've like been starved of success for a long time, like you know, even going back to the situation when Manchester United, it was always a big thing that Manchester United had never won the European Cup. You know, you go back to that, and then in 1968, uh, with with Sir Matt Busby, they win the European Cup, and then not long after, it wasn't the European Cup. They changed the format, and it was the Champions League, and Manchester United never. Kind of, they were always there or thereabouts, but they never, you know, couldn't get to the final of the of the of the Champions League. And then, lo and behold, um, the twenty sixth of May, 
uh, what year was it? 1999, was it? I, I might be wrong. It might yeah. be r- roughly. I think it was 19. In the uh, new camp. In the new camp. What happened were, for those who don't realise, the 26th of May was Sir Matt Busby's birthday. Yeah. So what they, what's happened? They're going into the new camp. You know, it's the first Champions League final since they won the European Cup in 68. And they've gone into the new cap. And even against all odds, they were losing the game. And then, as we know, one bam, thank you, man, in the final members of the game, it yeah. turned on its head. And United, and, and, and United win the, win the Champions League, right? So the Omens that night, I don't care what anybody says, and people might think I'm talking balls, and that's what we do on this. But the Omens that night, it, how many times will it land on Sir Matt Busby's birthday? It's landed on Sir Matt Busby's birthday, his beloved Manchester United, they're in the final, and, in the and Sir Matt has got him over the line. I can even warm it to a situation that even happened here at Baycup Borough in, in 2012. Our last cup final that we, we won was at Southport's Egg Avenue ground when we beat Newcastle 4-1, I think it were, and that were in about 2002-2003. That was our, and we won the cup against Newcastle. In 2012, we got to the final again and we was playing against Main Road. And the, the simple, simple fact is, just previous to that cup final, my late father, who was close, who was a big part of my kind of uh, my career, and he was a, a, an ex director of Rosendale United, and, you know, he, he passed away a few months before we got to this final. And I always remember, you know, it was a tough ass, you know, we had a great side then. Some of the lads were on the, on, on last week tweeting, Davy Luker w- was the captain, Daniel Cox played in that team, Gareth Wager, uh, Adrian Bellamy, um, uh, you know, they all played in this team. And we went to, uh, we went to Curzon Ashton's ground, Tainside Stadium, and this was in 2012, a few months after my, my father had died. And we didn't start the best in that game. If I remember, the first 10 minutes, we were, we were kind of under, the, under pressure. Uh, and Main Road were, you know, they started really, really well. And then we got a free kick, very similar to what we're going to come on to, James Coppinger, in a minute. We get yeah. the free kick. Now, I'm not privy, I weren't obviously sat there, but my son-in-law, Linton James, is sat, with my daughter, obviously, and just as the line in the free kick-up, Jamil Adams was stood over the ball, and I don't know, but he turned around to, you know, we were all kind of as a club and everything, you know, still grieving a little bit because of my dad's passing. And as he stood over the ball, Linton says to my daughter, your dad's, your granddad's, your granddad's ear. I'm telling you, your granddad's ear. He said, Watch that ball fly into the net. Well, where, where that's come from, I don't know. But all I can tell you, Jameel Adams stood over that ball and won a free kick. It sailed into the net. And that was the start of us going on to a 5-0 cup final win against Main Road. Yeah. So that brings us to the Doncaster Rovers story. It which, does. And I'm going to play it now. I'm going to play it I've managed to find it. Uh, excellent commentary by the lads at Doncaster Rovers. It just, you know, shows what they do as part of their media team and their media setup. And uh, well, the rest is uh, 
history, as they say. Doesn't feel pressure, does he? Pressure. Pressure's for pipes, isn't it? The wall is set. We're 11 minutes into stoppage time at the keep mount. Coppinger, Bostock over it. Coppinger's going to take it right foot to Coppinger! Oh! season with the club in his shirt pick that one out I'm shaking and that's not because I'm freezing cold it's because what I've just witnessed is absolutely oh my astonishing goodness. oh that is incredible that is amazing it's a pinch yourself moment isn't it for James Coppinger the Absolutely brilliant. You can't write yeah. it. You can't write it. It's in the and and, and 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 you know even listen the, the, the even though the free kick in his was Yorkshire di- in his Yorkshire dialect. I'm well, shaking, and that's not because I'm freezing. Well, the free kick was something special, but do you know what? And there's an empty stadium to yeah. get caught on that emotion with them two comment with a commentator and co-commentator yeah, reacting like that. That was every bit as good as the free kick. You know, even watching it back then, it's brought a tear to my eye because yeah. it, it, it it was just so fantastic. The free kick, but the emotions that come from them guys, Doncaster through and through, and, and they were Reece, losing. And Reece chasing after him. Great to Reece see James, James got, on the, got on the score sheet as well. Another one. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, they were 3-1 down. You see what made it good as well, that game. They were 3-1 down against Hull, which is like kind of a local derby, Hull and Doncaster. They're, you know, they're close rivals. And obviously, it had a bit of spice because McCann was the, the, the former manager before Darren, Darren Moore. In fact, it was McCann who signed Reese for uh, it wasn't Darren Moore that signed Reese at Doncaster. And uh, the day after he signed Reese, he, he went up to Hull. So there's a little bit of uh, kind of, I won't say bad blood, but there was oh, kind of rivalry there. Rivalry there. And then there's a bit of a story behind that because. That was James Coppinger's 799th uh, league, uh, uh, well, I'm not saying league appearance, but appearance. Yeah. Uh, and, and to mark his 800th appearance, which I think he would have had last night, but the game was called off against Blackpool, right? Um, the, 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 he designed his own kit, that the, the, and they wore that kit. That's why, if you notice, they weren't in the, the natural red kit. They were oh, in, the, the gold in, the, in the gold. And the lads went out to mark this special occasion, uh, had some which he didn't know about. Had boots designed to go inside with a kit. Excellent. Uh, and uh, you know, you know, he's come on until the three-one down. Reese got it. I think Reese got it back to three-two. All right, might have been Reese scored three to make it three-one, and then it was three-two. Uh, I think they got a penalty, and then lo and behold, as it said on the video in the final, in in well into stoppage time, James Coppinger is on the pitch. And the rest is history. I tell you, you couldn't, you couldn't make it up. You couldn't write it. And I, I swear, like the Sir Matt Busby, like us winning that at me, it's in the stars. Yeah. I tell you, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. We're going to stick with Yorkshire because we've got our guest waiting. He's been waiting patiently for the last uh, 40 minutes. Last week, Brent, we were talking uh, a little bit about uh, sports media, football media. Of course, Nigel Pearson. Uh, recently been uh, made the new manager of uh, 
of Bristol City. And I'm happy to say, joining us from Sheffield this afternoon is Harry Quick. Hello. Are you Hi, all Harry. well? How are you doing? Hi, Harry. Good. Are you okay? Good. Yeah, you all well? Let me just take that off. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Uh, you've been listening, you know, patiently there. Right? Yeah, with me. What's I'll going look, on? Looking like I'm on a soccer Saturday with this Xbox headset on. <laughs> You're looking like Andy Gray. Yeah. Well, no, you've got a bit more air than Andy Gray. Yeah, a little bit more. How's it going anyway down there? It's good. It's a bit. Uh, it's getting a bit tedious the lockdown and the online lectures and stuff like that for uni. But it's a, it's a new experience, and I'm in, enjoying the. I'm enjoying the course that I'm on. I'm, I've tried to take it to different levels by coming on here today as well. Very appreciative for having having me on. Well, it's but, no yeah. problem at all. Just tell us briefly about the course that you're on. What are you studying down there yeah. in Sheffield? I'm uh, studying sports journalism and. It's it's basically just a, a journalism course where uh, we it's the, the whole aspect of it is based around sport about the ethics of writing and responsibility that journalism holds because you're providing news for people you should allow people to make their own opinions up when you're providing these news stories no bias involved and uh, yeah and when it's all around sport and predominantly football because everyone on our our course is football mad as the main sport. It's it's a good. It's nice to nice to break my week up with this with just football. Yeah. What kind of things are you studying? What are the what you're delving into at, uh, at present? We learnt we well for the first year it was uh, all basics like we're learning all all sorts of multimedia journal, journalism. It's editing videos and recording audio for for radio and learning the basic skills on writing match reports and feature yeah. writing feature articles so yeah it's, it's all fun and have you had the opportunity yet to kind of liaise and meet up with any football clubs and do a little bit of work for them we've done a we've done a little bit with uh, Sheffield Wednesday we've interviewed a couple of players we had a re recently Josh Windass on a zoom call where we all got, uh, was able to interview him we've interviewed another Sheffield Wednesday midfielder Joey Pelliapessi we uh that was last year when try saying that when you're drunk yeah 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 but he's a he's a Dutch midfielder and we went to the uh, training ground and uh, got the opportunity to interview him and we've watched a couple of under twenty three games yeah it's it's good brilliant and who's uh what team do you support who's your club I'm Man United I'm Man United oh so, dear yeah, I get, uh, surrounded by I've got the, this, I've, this got the uh, I've got the uh, I'm a Edison Cavani enthusiast. That's why the uh, Uruguay flags up on the wall, and I've got a Portugal one here for uh, Bruno Fernandes and Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. What do you make of the job that Oli's doing this uh, this current season? I'm 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 impressed with him, but it, there's a, there's still fans that don't. I've, I'm speaking to someone this weekend. He still doesn't think he's he's not the right man for the job, and after. Pochettino won four one away at Barcelona. There was everyone's thinking, oh, I wish we would have got him, but you've, it's a it's a difficult job. It's a it's been a rebuild since since Moyes. We've never really had a proper foundation for a, a team, and now we're starting to gather a bit of an identity. The he he, he likes the counter attacking football, and it's enjoyable to watch. Brings out the best of Rashford and Bruno's makes it all tick. So. Yeah, but I'm, I'm enjoying watching United at the moment.
Yeah, just on that one, Harry. I mean, uh, tell your mates and whoever you're talking to about uh, Pochettino. Well, not only that, they'd be better off going and uh, getting cappuccino than Pochettino. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're going to have to change them jokes. We've had that one already. Listen, listen. It's not about changing the jokes. I mean, the biggest joke is them who's saying it because what did he win at Lincoln Tottenham? And Tottenham's not as big as Man United. That was my point as well. He's he's, he's won nothing yet. Correct. Correct. So, yeah, so Harry, uh, so you haven't had a a chance yet to probably do uh, a, a press. I don't know. I mean, in the past, because I've got good connections with the... A good friend of mine's Peter Smith, who who works for Sky, uh, and he also runs a journalist course courses in uh, I think at Huddersfield uh, Polytechnic, and he's had students come here to Bake Up Borough, like and after a game we've we've gone into, his, you know they've had coach loads of them and they've thrown all the dictaphones on the table and asked me poignant questions, uh, you know as part of their education as getting getting used to doing a kind of a press release um you know have you have you had been had the privilege of having anything like that yet not due, coronavirus has really messed everything up a little bit to be honest the with the at this end of last year we started to get into sort of real life situations with it with the Sheffield Wednesday stuff but yeah ever since, ever since everything's been closed off it's everything I'm, I've been looking at my laptop every day for the last few months and it's not it's not quite the same because I feel like I'm missing out on some vital experience that I could be gaining but yeah, well it is it's, diffi- it's, it's difficult it's, to, it's difficult for everybody Ara but it, it's good because I, I think you know what Peter was trying to do with it with the students is is given that education of doing a, a kind of a post-match press conference with managers so that when they get when they pass their exams and they get out there in the in the big wide world and they're and they're doing interviews and they've got to have a you know they're having a you know one to one after with uh, Steve Bruce or whoever it might may be you yeah. know it stands you in good stead and uh, yeah. you know that's something that that Peter's done from time to time and I remember when we got to the uh, when we got to the cup final and played AFC Fylde at the at the Reebok you know one of the aspects where he asked if me and Daniel Cox who was the, who was then the captain um, if we go up into the press room upstairs and 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 face them, so it was good education for them because you know again, it's real real life experience. It's, and it's real life experience, and it's only it, it can only it, it can only be good. Yeah, um, you know. So you know, I think you'll look forward to that when we can get back to some normality and and you get that as part of your uh, education. Yeah. What what did you think about? Uh, you know, because uh, did you have a comment? You were interested in that, in kind of that piece. I think what uh, Nigel Pearson came out with. Uh, are you doing any studying on that? Or, or, or I don't know whether you've been a part of is that. It, well, is a is is ostrich comment? Yeah, 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 yeah. We uh, we we did study in in our. It was sort of like we did a module on like crisis management when in when a when disaster happens at football clubs. How do you sort of the PR side? How do you clean yourself up so your club looks acceptable again and uh P- Pearson came under under conversation in that and uh he, he sort of he, he must I can't even remember what the game was but he, he must have had a bad game and the journalist came in asking him questions and he, he said 
you, you must have had your head in the sand because you are an ostrich. And then the week later, the BBC brought the big dog from the uh, Midlands down, the main correspondent for BBC Midlands, and he, and he put him in his place. Pearson really thought he, uh, he, 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 I think he eventually apologised for that, but he was, uh, yeah, he was put in his place by the big journalist. Yeah. Well, I know, I I think, know he'd... Go on. Go on, go on Brent. Let you... I, I think sometimes, you know, it's not fair. I mean, I'm going to side with the, with the managers here because I think sometimes after a game where, when the, especially when it's been live on TV and, and they're throwing a mic in and then you, you, they ask you a question and, and really you give a straight, honest answer to the question. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it ends up getting the manager into a lot of trouble. Um, so I, I kind of think the certain scenarios that it's kind of unfair on the manager because the amount of managers that's got fine, even when they're, they're commenting after a game about a referee, and uh, it's been what, what, what they're supposed to do. You know, the journalist is doing his job and the manager's yeah. doing his job because he's answering honestly, but answering honestly uh, gets you into trouble. Um, and I think that is a kind of a big issue as well because if we look back to last week's situation with, with regard to, you know, the, the, the referee that's uh, put his face into another player's face, if you will, yeah. right? Yeah, he's, been rap- he's been reprimanded and, and I, I kind of don't think that's right because he was showing his sergeant major instincts from, uh, yeah. from the armed forces. When emotions think- are high, it's, it's difficult to... Restrain, restrain them, isn't it? especially in, in a passionate sport like football. Where everyone, all, all anyone wants to do is win. When a journalist sort of goes in poking the fire a little bit and uh, try to provoke the best sort of response to get the clicks, managers yeah. will tend to come out with some well questionable stuff that sort of puts them in the firing line a little bit. Yeah. Well, this week, Nigel Pearson and... Uh... Joey Barton, Bristol, the city was quite busy on the same day because I think it were Bristol Rovers with Joey Barton and Nigel Pearson appointed at Bristol City. Yeah, what's Bristol. your uh, what's your take on on that, Harry? I, I don't. What? Where's Joey Barton gone? He's gone to Bristol. Gone to Bristol Rovers. Bristol Rovers and Pearson's at, at uh, oh, two <laughs> two fasty characters. Yeah, uh, in the same city. Yeah. Uh, he got a good win, Bristol, Bristol, Bristol City, the other day, didn't he, Pearson? Yesterday. Well, yeah, yeah, he was, uh, was uh, in the stand, wasn't he? He was watching it up at the uh, yeah. up at the riverside. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have uh, you know, noticed they, they nicknamed him? They've got a new nickname now, haven't they? What's that? Rod Hull and Emu. <laughs> <laughs> Rod, where's, where's that one come from? Well, <laughs> what is it? Big windmill? There's somebody at the that, door. He sat there in the stand, didn't he? he just needed a blinking. Uh, his emu at back of him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was talking to, uh, I was chatting to uh, Harry oh, last man. night, you know, prior to coming on the show, and uh, he was telling me, he said, uh, "What's this about ghosts at Westview?" I said, uh, "Well, you'll ask, you'll have to ask the question yourself because uh, it is true. Uh, We've got." Uh, not just spirits behind the bar. Yeah. The spirits, the spirits here, Harry. Yeah, prior to prior to coming on, my dad was uh, telling me because he's a friend of Brent. Yeah, there's some paranormal activity going on at Bake Up, and uh, Brent could <laughs> Brent could fill us in for hours about it. <laughs> he could fill us in for hours. Listen, listen, <laughs> I could spend five 20, minutes. 
Well, I could spend plenty of time on it, and 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 joking apart, it's not a publicity stunt, and uh, there are situations that's happened here that are that are quite true. And I didn't believe in any of that paranoia business. I didn't, you know, it, 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 I didn't believe it. But believe you me, I kind of do now because some of the things that's gone on, uh, and I've been, I've witnessed it to be honest. And then since your dad has, if it, people don't know. Harry's the son of uh, Darren Quick, and Darren Quick has a successful business, which is Cornerstone Security, and puts these uh, security cameras in everywhere. And he's put one in, he's fitted one in, and, and looked after us here. At, and we're, we're proud and privileged of that that he's looked after us here at, at Bakeup Borough because we've had a we've had a couple of issues, you know, on break-ins and that. So we're all cameraed up. That brings with it something else because while we're all cameraed up, we're getting intrusions and it's the same every day. We're getting an intrusion, but there's nothing there. You can't see it. But seriously, it's happening. You know, and I said something to you, to Darren the other day and he went, he said, how's your equipment that I've put in? I said, it's fantastic. I said, it's brilliant. I said, uh, the only thing is we keep, we get, we've got these intrusions every day. And he went, Darren went, that's your lodger. <laughs> 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 yeah, so... But yeah, yeah, there has been some activities here, and uh, it, 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 it so happened that uh, Take a Break actually ran a story and uh, paid Take us some break, money. That fantastic <laughs> magazine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All the grannies buy. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, listen, I bet they've had some sleepless nights after reading our story because seriously, our story. Is is hundred percent true? You know, there were all sorts going off. There was a, there was a situation where, for a long, long time, our club phone was ringing a random number in Ramsbottom. Uh, so so much so that they reported as nuisance calls, and it were like four o'clock in the morning, and it were happening regular at a certain time, four o'clock in the four o'clock in the morning, and they tracked it back to the club, but they fell. You know, there was nothing wrong, but it was happening. You know, we had a, we had another situation because uh, there were a lot of things going on on the on the football field, which I'll uh, I, that's for another story. But one of the one of the stories I'll tell about the changing rooms was um, we got a team in from Manchester to to kind of just tell us what were going on if they could. And one of the situations where we were over at the changing, I were I were like packing the kids up in the from the kit room over in the clubhouse, pack it ready for a game the day after. But Deborah, my personal assistant, and her two daughters uh, had walked over with this group over to the changing room. And as I come tagging along behind, they were telling me to be quiet because they said somebody's in there. And me, I'm giggling to myself under my under my breath, thinking, that, you know, they're bonkers, these people, thinking what they're going on about. Anyway, I got to the changing room. and they went, Shh. So anyway, we go in. They put this... Uh, it's kind of a machine on the on the on the physio bed, and they started to uh, talk through this machine and saying, "There's somebody there. Don't worry. You, you know, is there any? Uh, have you got any? You know, I, you're out there." Uh, and, then, and then they're asking it like, "Do you do you do you know, do you know Brent?" And it, it like goes one way to say yeah, one way to say no. So what it went you, what yeah. What was you hoping for? What was you hoping for? Uh, what were I <laughs> hoping for? Well, well. <laughs> I weren't hoping for anything really because I didn't really believe it. But then all of a sudden, he said, "Yeah." And then he said to the girls, "Do you know the girls?" And the girl, and he said, "Do you want to sit with Brent?" Uh, so obviously, this guy were obviously whoever it were must have been a woman's man because he went. It went to no. <laughs> and then we said, 
And then they said, do you want to sit with the girls? So it went to yeah. No. <laughs> so this machine goes to yeah. And then all of a sudden they asked it another question. And it, it seriously let off this biggest scream that you've screeched you've ever, you've ever heard as though it's going in. And it was that powerful. It's thrown the machine on the floor and all the batteries have dropped out of the machine. So uh, needless to say, and that next one, when they said yeah, about walking, coming and sitting next to the girls, I'm sat near the doorway and it was just like a breeze, all my hairs on my arm and everything. There was a breeze going past me as he went to sit next to the girls. So don't tell me that there is nothing because, and what's happening here now at the minute, when we keep getting these intrusions, there is definitely something happening. But yeah. we, need, we, need, we need somebody that's uh, probably need the TV series to come up here and... Uh, yeah, most haunted, uh, most haunted, uh, most haunted, and uh, and 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 sludged it out for us. But there's there's many tales to uh, to tell, Harry. Many yeah. tales to tell. What for you? Uh, how long you got left on your on your course, Harry? Before it's all done and dusted. Well, I'm, I'm. It's a four year course if you include a, a placement year, which is in the third year. But I'm so I'm halfway through my second year now and looking to secure a placement somewhere to uh, work for six months next year and then I can come back for the fourth year, live in a yeah. student house again and get up to, get up to the antics that we're, we're <laughs> me and my mates tend to get up to. And what's the plans once you've uh, qualified? What's the, uh, what's the options Any, I, and I've dreams? Got, I've, I've got an open mind, to be honest. Any, anything surrounding football, because what's not, if, if you make your hobby, your work, you'd never work a day in your life, do you? So if you, that's it. I'll that's just, spot on. I'll, I'll just watch football all the time and, if I can add any analysis to it that benefits people, then that's fine by me. Well, we'll certainly have you on the show again. That is for uh, sure. But uh, absolute pleasure this af this afternoon to be uh, chatting with you, Harry. Thank you. Uh, it's been great, Harry. And all the best in uh, in what you're doing. If you need any help with anything... We'll definitely have you on the show again. Yeah, yeah. There's, there, there's, your, uh, there's your man. Thank you. Um, Thanks for having me. No yeah, problem. Just... Final word to you, Brent, before we uh, wrap it up. Well... Well, uh, this morning, I don't know if you've seen the interview, but I, I saw a great interview this morning with Piers Morgan and Van Tam. For those who don't know who Van Tam is, it's not a Chinese takeaway in Bake Up. It was a... <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was a, it was a professor. I think he goes under the nickname of JVT. He is no, he's Penfold out of Danger Mouse, isn't it? Is that, is that who it is? I don't know. Yeah. But this Van Tam, let me tell you, he's a professor. He's been on all the bulletins. He's been there in Downing Street talking about the, the Titans. And he gave us a really, really positive breakdown this morning. So listening to Van Tam, joking apart, top man, done some great work. We're great listening to you. And I would like to tell him that it sounds like for everybody out there, all our listeners... The only way is up. <laughs> I'm going to have to sort that. I'll tell you what, I'm going to have to sort that sound out for you. Absolute pants. Pants. See you later. Take care. See you later.